Hello, and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. The goals of our show are to uncover, eradicate, and to dismantle racism because we really do want to create a world where racial equity exists for everyone. Want to remind you, if you have not, to please subscribe to the show on your favorite platform, whether that be uh, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, any of the places where you like to stream your podcasts. I also want to invite you to tell a friend about the show because we really do want people to be informed about ways in which they can eradicate racism. Let us begin the show as we always do by taking a moment just to center ourselves, to focus on the topic at hand, to ground ourselves. So I want to invite you into a moment of just closing your eyes, if you would, and just begin to breathe, to breathe in and out, connecting with your breath, which centers you and grounds you, but it is a symbol of your life. Take in a deep breath and release that breath, recognizing that you are a divine being. You were created to be here for such a time as this. Breathe in and out, recognizing that you matter and what you do matters. You are interconnected, not just with the people that you see every day, but with those people who stretch far and wide. You make a difference. So breathe in and out, connecting with your creativity, your imagination, your calling, and give honor to that. Give honor to your sacred source, whatever that is for you. And just recognize your divine wisdom your divine intelligence. Breathe in and out, connecting with your power and your ability to face the challenges that you experience. Your ability to shine your light in the world and your ability to change the status quo. So I want to invite you to take another deep breath in and then release it, giving gratitude for yourself, your sacred source, all those who come before you and those who support you now. And as we take one more deep breath in and sigh it out, we say, and so it is, Ashe. And amen. Well, this morning on the show, we are actually going to continue a conversation that we started last week. We'll have a couple more shows where we're talking about this as well. But we are going to talk today about affirmative action, access, and opportunity. President Lyndon B. Johnson said, until justice is blind to color, until education is unaware of race, until opportunity is unconcerned with the color of men's skin. Emancipation would be a proclamation, but not a fact. Well, justice is not blind. Education is not unaware. Opportunity is not unconcerned. And yet we know that the Supreme Court recently ruled against affirmative action policies thereby, to me, perpetuating a system that limits access and opportunity, not only for people of color, but for poor people as well, 
and for people who are differently abled. And so today on the show, I am delighted to welcome back my guest, Eric Clemens, who is president and CEO of Comcat. And we're going to look at some of the complexity, complexities and nuances and the mixed messages that we sometimes get around this conversation on um, dismantling racism. You know, in 2020, it seems to be that there was this uptick of people who were interested in dismantling racism. And we saw a lot of things that I consider performative. And just as we're really trying to expand what it means in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, we now have the Supreme Court making this ruling. And so today on the show, we will focus a little bit on affirmative action, but today's show is really more about uh, opportunity and access. And so I want to welcome back again, as I said, Eric Clemens, who is the co-founder of the Connecticut Community Outreach Outreach and Revitalization Program, ConCorp. And he is also the uh, interim president and co-founder of Con ConCat. It's a lot to say there. Um, you, you've had, you've heard him on the show before, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time introducing him because really the time goes by so very quickly. And there's so many things that I want to say today on the show, or at least want to hear from our guests from so Eric, welcome back to the show today. I'm really excited that you're here. Oh, thank you, Dr. Terrell. And good morning and good morning to everyone. I am excited to even be asked to uh, participate again with you in such an important topic um, because the topic doesn't go away and it doesn't go away because people, especially black people, do not have opportunity. If you don't have opportunity, well, if you, you opportunity means nothing without access. Mm-hmm. And, and access to the many resources that are here that are afforded to those folks who are not Black. And so I'm more than happy to, to have a conversation with you about that and where we are and where we could go. Mm. So I went back to listen to our previous show. It was a good show, I must say. And there were a lot of important things that I, I believe that you said on the show. And in the last show, you started the conversation by saying, you know, um, I've been poor longer than I've been privileged. And we talked a great deal about overcoming conditions. And so I want to go back to that because you talked about overcoming the conditions that you lived in. And um, I mean, there were so many great things because the other thing that you said was success has been the result and not the reason for what you do. And I always talk about having a sacred motive for the work that we do. In that conversation, you shared how um, there were a number of individuals, particularly white individuals, who conspired to provide an opportunity to you. And so I wonder, as we think about what has happened in the recent rulings around affirmative action, which denies access to a lot of people, how does that impact opportunity? Mm. You know. Um, first of all, you have to, we, I think it's important to think about and to the extent that we can discuss who's making those decisions, right? And most often there is, if not always, there are people who've had a hand up themselves, not only a hand up, but I'm sure hands up themselves, because I have not yet a, met a human being yet who has done anything remotely successful that someone didn't help them. Mm, mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important to turn our eyes and ears and gaze on the folks who are making the decisions for the masses of people mm-hmm. um, and what their histories are and what has catapulted to them. And I mean catapulted to them to the place that they are now. And I would bet you it is not just a good education alone. Mm. Well, of course not. And even when you think about this idea of legacy, right, because that's another thing that's going to come up with uh, with all this pushback about affirmative action. If you're getting into a school, if you're getting a, a job because of the good old boy network, isn't that the same thing as affirmative action? It's just right. a different color. Absolutely. It's a different Absolutely. ball game. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So, I, you know, white folks have experienced affirmative action since birth. Not only since their birth, but the birth of this country. And so I find it very difficult. And I'm not saying anything that no one, anyone else hasn't said or thought about. 
I find it very difficult to think about the repealing of affirmative action for those folks who, for the most part, systems that have been created to leave them behind mm. and render them immobile. Mm. So it's not even people being left behind. They're not even able to move forward. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, those, you know, to the extent that we can have conversations about that too is good. But again, you know, as I said in my opening, opportunity means absolutely nothing without access. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is access to resources, access to people who can help you move forward and help you navigate this world mm-hmm. in a way that will allow you to help the generations behind you. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. people hold, you know, a, a lot of people hold these kind of these compasses within themselves. And, you know, they only kind of show you the ways to go if, in fact, you deem yourself worthy. Well, so that's another part that we're going to get into that, too, because I do want to talk about um, recognizing opportunity. But you said something really interesting, which is basically even when you have access, you need someone to guide you to have access to the next step as well, right? So for instance, we know that a lot of students, first generation students, in fact, who go to college, who may not have the support that they need once they get to college to even know how to navigate uh, systems. And in the work that I do on dismantling racism, I often talk about navigating whiteness because the backdrop of everything we do is built on uh, a white society. And there are things that you have to know how to do to navigate this this particular world that we live in, this country that we live in. We have to know how to navigate it because they white people have built the structures. Right. And so and even white people have to know how to navigate whiteness. So one of the things that happens is is getting the access perhaps getting the opportunity and then not having the follow through. And so when we talk about affirmative action, when we talk about access and opportunity, it's much more than just opening the door. Giving yeah, I, I think the idea of college going is a sailing example of what we're talking about. So thank you for bringing that up. We have the opportunity to go to college if in fact we have the wherewithal to do so, the the criteria, if we fit that criteria. Mm. Now, college becomes very difficult, although you have the opportunity, if you don't have the access to finances, other resources, and something we don't talk about enough, information. That's right. A lot of times people are held back or go in reverse because they just don't even have the information. And that information is held within people, mm. as I said before. Well, when you say held within people, not just in the person themselves, but it's also held within other people exactly. to be able to share that. So so when we come back, because you always say so much, there are like 50 questions from that. But, but when we come back, what I do want to talk about, because you mentioned this on the last show, people in poverty recognizing opportunities. So I want to be able to touch upon that. And then there's some other things that you just mentioned, even in the statements um, that you just said that I want to tap into when we come back, because there's a whole psyche to uh, transitioning into a world where people have access and privilege. The other thing that you mentioned, and I want to be sure to come back to it, so I'm telling you, so in case I forget, um, you said people who meet the criteria for college. And I want to talk about that a little bit, because what is that criteria based on? So this is the Dismantle Racism Show. We'll be right back with my guest today, Eric Clemens. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. We're back with my guest today, Eric Clemens. And Eric, before the break, um, I want to go back to something that you said for those people who can, um, who meet the criteria for getting into college. And I was struck in our last conversation where you talked about um, how you didn't do well in school for for a number of reasons, right? Um, And primarily from moving around to a lot of different high schools. You talked about not, loving school, but you love to learn and you loved reading. And so one of the things that struck me was the number of kids who miss out on the opportunity to go to school because they don't meet the criteria. And ultimately you went back to school because of all the other things that you had done. So I believe that we miss out by not giving opportunity to people, by not creating a way for people to um, show up in life differently. And I believe that that's some of the things that you've done at CONCAT. And you talked a lot about um, creating a space even for people who are re-entering society. So can you just talk a little bit about uh, ways in which we as a society can create opportunities for people who don't meet the criteria based on uh, standards. Uh, yeah, thank you. I, I think one, you're you're doing that with your show, right? I think your, your show is a salient example of the power of information, right? And the, and the power of inspiration, mm-hmm. such that those who listen may be inspired to, to move and do something. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you know, the, the, the second part of meeting the criteria to go to college is the most important part where you may have teachers who don't meet the the criteria to be teachers. Mm. Mm. And so that needs to be discussed at some point if if it's not already. Well, you just dropped a bomb right there. You know, I'm ready to go into it. Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The conversation. And and, and so, you know, one, I think what's really important, um, Dr. Terrilyn is, to create spaces and places for people to dream. Mm. That's really, really important to me. And you may, we may be using vehicles here at Comcat through workforce development, through entrepreneurship, um, through arts programming, right? It is a place and space where people can dream because what has happened to a lot of Black people who are living in impoverished communities that those folks who had dreams and those dreams that weren't facilitated have now turned to rage. Mm. And so I really, I think it's super important to create spaces for folks to dream about who they could be possibly. Okay. So Eric, all right, look, 
you just said something else that that uh, in terms of rage, I, I'd like you to kind of talk a little bit about what rage might look like. But I'd also like you to talk about this idea of being able to dream, because one of the things that you said in, in the last episode was about people in poverty often not recognizing opportunity because they see it as a trap. And so how do you create spaces for for people to dream if in their psyche they see what you're doing as a trap? So that's two questions I'd like you to kind of hone in on for us a little bit. Yeah, no, you're, that's, that's a good point. Um, you know, w- what I mean by that is that there have been, and we know this, there are systems that are still in place that again, do not allow people to be mobile in terms of class, do not allow people to see things of beauty, do not allow people to move in a way because they they have the information that mm. navigates them. Mm. When that happens, people, I think all people, I don't care what race you are, people, everyone dreams. Everyone mm. has a vision of who they wanna be where they want to live, what they want to do in life, what their contribution to the world could be, given the gifts and talents. And I believe God, I, you know, I'm a believer like you. I believe God gives us special things. Of course. Mm-hmm. And when the outside, the external that has been created does not allow for the internal to flourish, that's when those dreams die. Well, and I think that for many kids, um, those dreams die, particularly impoverished kids. They die very early on, like 10, 11 years old. And you're reminding me when you're you're talking that the things that some of us take for granted, people who are impoverished, they don't even know to dream those dreams. I think about years and years ago, I did a focus group in New York City. And I did it with uh, some inner city kids and it was around stopping gun violence and all of that. And when these, I took these kids into an office that had these nice, you know, uh, oak tables and the chairs and it was a conference room that was like an everyday sort of conference room to me, but they were so amazed by this conference room. And we don't know to dream things like there are things I don't know to dream because I may not have, you know, a certain status. And so I appreciate what you're doing and the work that you're doing, because when you open up CONCAT and created this space for people to re-enter society by creating a culinary school and looking at phablotomy and medical building, billing, excuse me, I don't know why I'm stumbling over my words today, but um, you're creating access, you're giving them information, and you're also educating them. So if you could for a moment, though, you know, talk a little bit about this rage that you mentioned, and then how do we get people to overcome the rage and trust the opportunity that is before them so that they can make a decision to do something different? Yeah, I, I think part of that rage, right? I'll give you an example. If if I look at where I am now in the Dixwell community, in the New Hallville community, historic Black neighborhoods. I mean, historic um, in New Haven, Connecticut, and three, four blocks away from this, these two neighborhoods is Yale University and downtown New Haven. Now, let me preface by saying I have nothing against Yale University. I think New Haven, part of New Haven's charm is because Yale University sits in the center of this town, of this city. But I will say that if you take these two neighborhoods and the greater proportion of the folks who live in these neighborhoods have absolutely nothing. Mm. And they look with their eyes four blocks down the road to people who have absolutely everything. Yes, yes. And so I would be enraged Mm. Mm. because I am seeing absolute opulence in front of me Mm. while at the same time having to calculate how I'm going to eat tonight. Right. Right. I I mean, I think that's so important what you're saying, because there are two things that that are popping up for me. I remember when I went to Yale, we would always get these notifications from security about somebody being held up at gunpoint and, and 
somebody's bag being snatched, things like that. And I remember one of my professors talking about that. It's like, look, here's this privileged school right in the middle of poverty. And so just look at those two continuums. And I think about, and this is a whole nother show too, how white universities come into our neighborhoods, buy up the block for what they need, often not wanting to share it. And I'm not saying that that's the case with with Yale, but they don't pay the same taxes even that we have to pay, right? And sometimes don't want to, uh, again, to share, because that's one of the things I'm battling with in in an area where I am. It's just like gentrification occurs. You bring in all of these wonderful things for the students who are attending or the folks who can afford it. But what are you doing for the community? That is really the biggest, biggest well, question. You're absolutely right. And I think in, in some, you know, when you think about the, the violence and the crime and those, the, those who are perpetrating violence and crime, to me, the sum of that is although it's very complex, mm. but some of that is why would I value humanity? Mm. All around me, no one is, is valuing my humanity. And right. so, right? So humanity becomes something mm. that, is, um, that is not what we think of it. Mm. And so when I, when I don't value, when my humanity is not valued, and I don't value humanity, it becomes very easy for me mm. to commit acts of violence mm. or crime mm. because ultimately I need to eat. I need to feed myself and or feed my family mm. because the world is telling me they care nothing about me. Mm. So how have you all in the work that you've done, not only at CONCAT and the work that you've done with CONCORP, how have you helped people to see a different way of life? I mean, because there must be barriers when you're trying to get people into school. So what do you do to... I, I think, first of all, it's not. It, it's important to note that the, the trainings and the economic development pieces that we have, those are vehicles by which we are engaged in relationship, authentic relationship mm. with people. Mm. which is really important. You, are, you can get people to see possibilities by virtue of how you treat them and mm. talk to them. Mm. That's number one. Number two, I think it's really important that people feel safe mm. because if they feel safe, then they feel alive. Mm. And if they're alive, then they have hope. And we know hope is the seed of love. And mm. so we're moving folks to the continuum to, to the prize of feeling loved. Mm. Well, Reverend Doctor, we have to take a quick break here because you know you're preaching already. But uh, I want to know when we come back, since we're talking about this piece for opportunity, did you have any challenges with getting people to see themselves, to become a part of this program that you're doing so that they can have a different uh, opportunity in life, because we really do. We know that some people don't take advantage of opportunity. So in the next part of uh, our show, I want to talk about that a little bit. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. We'll be right back. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us.
Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with my guest today, Eric Clemens. And Eric, before the break, I was asking you to think about what are some of the challenges that you might have had with getting folks to see, if if any, because maybe there were folks who were ready to come on board and uh, take advantage of the opportunity. But what are, if you had some, what are some of the things that you saw with people not recognizing that opportunity was in front of their eyes? I think that was that was the hardest part of of the work that we endeavored to do. And I say we is myself and the entire Concat team. And and also, um, as you mentioned, I was fortunate enough to, to co-found Concorp. Um, it is the, the the issue of trust. Right. That that, it you know, I was I was very naive and ignorant, quite frankly, because I felt like, you know, I am basically dedicating and committing my life to working in communities that look like me, um, who are living in conditions I was able to overcome. And I just thought they would take to me very easily and readily. And they did not. Mm. They did not. And a lot of what I've learned is, you know, just the past and how, you know, these communities were were leveraged for the gain of others who don't look like them. Mm. And you know, here I come, not even being from New Haven, with a bag full of ideas and a bag full of help saying, I, I want to help you, but never really thought about really authentically introducing myself to the mm. people and sitting with the people mm. and hearing their stories and sitting in the discomfort, mm. not only of their stories in their lives, but my life. Mm. And so once I'll, I'll just say myself, because I'm talking because I'm on the show, once I was able to find the courage to deal with my own discomfort mm. around my own people, mm. deal with my own biases, mm. my own people, mm. then I was able to make an authentic connection. Listen, you better say that again, because we don't often talk about our own discomfort around our own people and their discomfort sometimes around oh. us as well, right? Because, you know, we get this sort of uh, internalized racism that happens within our community where we are the suburb versus, for, uh, suburb Black versus the urban Black. Or even if you are urban Black, what part of the city do you live in? What does your home look like? How are you dressing? You know, all of these Things And so I think what's important for our listeners to know, it doesn't matter what your race is, is this idea of being courageous enough to sit in your discomfort. It isn't always comfortable, the work that we do. It isn't comfortable when I have to navigate systems in order to meet the greater goal, because that's a whole nother piece for me as a leader. And you and I have had that discussion. There are things that I don't like to do, but those things must be done sometimes for the greater good. And so, so you said it on the show before, you're saying it today, it's about building the relationship because when people trust you, often it doesn't matter what color you are. And I have heard a number of white folks and black folks talk about um, there being occasion where someone black said, I don't trust you because you're white. And then they got to know them. They formed the relationship and they knew that they could trust them. So that was really important. So this is, I'm sorry, doctor. No, 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 go ahead. This, this is the, the issue that I have with 
diversity, equity, inclusion efforts, mm. right? And I, I believe in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I do. I believe that it's vitally important. And, and, and I believe that it has, in a helpful way, created a language for folks who wouldn't otherwise talk to each other to talk to each other. Right. My issue that I have is if, in fact, you are going to be authentic in your inclusivity, mm. in your diversity efforts, mm. then you must first have to deal with reconciliation. Mm. If there is no real authentic reconciliation, not only with not only between races and classes, but in oneself, because mm. I realized that in talking to people that I wanted to help who were not really doing as well as I'm doing financially, I had some own, like I, I mentioned, I had biases and issues and PTSD as it relates to being in poverty. Mm. And had to think about things that I did not want to think about anymore. Mm. It's opening up a whole can of worms here. I just, I want you to know it. So, so what, what I hear you saying is you had to reconcile all of those things within yourself. First of all, you had to take a look at yourself. That's right. Then you had to do some self-reflection. Now, as a psychologist, I know that most of us don't want to do that. We would rather point the finger. That's right. what I hear you saying is unless you began to look at yourself, you cannot be the best advocate. You cannot even um, claim to be inclusive. Right. That's right. If, if you don't do that. So so that's what reconciliation looks like within yourself is facing yourself. But what does reconciliation really look like when we're talking about as a whole, as a country or as a community? What does that that look like if we say we want to help people? Again, it it first starts with a a stark understanding of oneself. Mm. And then it it then moves into, in my opinion, a a deep understanding of how you feel about Black people, Mm. how you feel about brown people or anyone who is different from you. And you have to reconcile one with what you were taught. These people are what you have believed, Mm. what these people are, no matter if everything that is telling you what you were taught is wrong. Mm. Second and thirdly, I think this is really important. You have to reconcile with the fact as a white person that this idea of meritocracy Mm. is a fallacy. Right, right, right. Mm. But, you, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I want to let you finish. And so, so, and, and, and so not only were you told that you did this because you were the best and you go to the best schools and this and this and that, that those who are not with you are not the best mm. mm-hmm. or they, they just didn't cut the mustard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When in fact, there are smarter people mm. sitting Porches in Newhallville. That's exactly right. Our classes downtown at Yale. That's right. That's right. My that is the one truth. Of, one of the people who inspired me the most in life had a fourth grade education, and I believe he could run circles around me even today. So, you know, I I, I definitely agree with that. Now, what I do think when you talk about people having to reconcile that and to think about what they've been taught, it takes a level of consciousness hmm. because most people don't even recognize the automatic ways in which we show up, in which we judge people. And most people, I've had people to tell me that they're not racist, but then they'll make a statement to me and I'll say, well, yeah, you are. You just don't realize that you are. That's the first thing, right? And and so it takes a level of consciousness to say, what has my country taught me? I have friends who told me, you know, back in 2020 and 2021, because they're always telling me how much I I opened their eyes and they'll tell me that they didn't know that the story of Thanksgiving wasn't true. They didn't know the story of emancipation proclamation. How do you not know it? That is my question. Like, why didn't you ask the questions? And, and I had friends, white friends who were telling me they were angry because they felt like they had been duped by the country. What you are talking about with reconciliation is opening your eyes up and asking the questions that you need to ask 
in order for you to truly engage in equity, inclusion, and belonging. You cannot take an hour class, you know, and feel like, you know, like oftentimes when people invite me in, I'll say, well, I'll come in to do a talk for an hour, but I'm not coming in to train you for an hour. There's no training for an hour, unless you're going to do something else with it. Either you're committed to the process or not. So I'm very careful about who I choose to work with because are you performative? And then, and then I'm a part of your being performative, right? And so I think it's really important when we talk about taking a look at our country. And I've heard you say this before is we need to take a look at the history of our country. And right now they're trying to take out even the little bit of history that people know about racism in this country, trying to take it away. You know, there's some states who don't want to even talk about uh, enslavement. Well, it's a fact of history, right? So how can people begin to reconcile if that's the the fence that they're going to? I I love this idea of consciousness, which I want to hear more about, um, because I don't know how one would get one, someone there. I think that's and why I, they have to take a class with me I, and I, other listen, folks like I, me so they I, can become I, conscious. <laughs> I love that. I, I've never thought about that. Mm. I, I think, um, I, you know, I've said this to you before. I think people have a tension when confronted with race, especially mm. between self-preservation and self-discovery. Mm. And in there is a hopefully a deep sense of courage and and in a pursuit of truth. Mm. But most often, to your point around consciousness, folks fall on self-preservation because their identity becomes more important than who it is they say they want to be. Yeah. And that's and that's really a shame because that means you stay stuck in those places, right? And the times I've kind of just let go, I've been able just to expand. And and look, this is where what I call our sacred motive comes in. Because for me, my connection with God lets me know that I'm not meant to just stay here. I'm meant to excel and go farther. And I'm meant to shine my light in a way that I bless other people in the process. And I'm not saying everybody has to do a radio show. That's why I always keep quoting author Ash, start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. You don't have to do what the two of us are doing, right? But you should let your gifts, which you spoke about earlier, you should let your gifts guide you with what to do. And and actually there is, if I could just for a moment, quote scripture, the Bible says that your gifts will make room for you at the top. When you are courageous enough to hone in on your gifts and use them in service of others, you will get to that next phase of who you say you want to be. Now, we have to take a break. When we come back in our last segment, I really want to talk about something that you said in the last show. You said that your gifts and preparation were connected to opportunity. And so we've just been talking about gifts, making room for you at the top. I love this idea of preparation. So when we come back, I want to know what suggestions do you have for individuals who've been denied access to certain opportunities? What in terms of using their gifts and preparing, what do you do? Because the world will stop you if you allow it. So when we come back, I want to hear your response to that. We'll be right back with the Dismantle Racism Show. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify, your business today. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with my guest today, Eric Clemens. Eric, before our break, we were talking about gifts and preparation. And I wonder, you know, what what would you say to people who've been given the opportunity? Because this is one of the things that sort of can be frustrating to me sometimes. They've been given an opportunity, but they don't take advantage of the opportunity. I myself am probably not taking advantage of some opportunities. And Talk to me about that. Talk to me about your gifts and preparation being connected with opportunity. Yeah, I, I think it's important to to first define what success means for for folks, hmm. and um, and to be honest about if in fact they want to achieve success and what level of success. A lot of times, I believe people make the the mistake of wanting to be famous as opposed to being successful. And so I think for me, it was really about understanding what I'm called to do and not being afraid. And I mean this, not being afraid to do something that I knew I would fail at in the beginning. Mm. And I believe that when when I read my Bible, anyone who was called to do anything, um, the thing that they were called to do, they had no idea how to do it. Right. And so I live a life of just blissful ignorance a lot because, you know, there are things that I've, I've, I've been able to do now that in the beginning, I just didn't know how to do it. Um, and that kind of that in and of itself has rendered me successful, not because of the level of execution, but because of the fact that I got it done and mm-hmm. getting it done helped others because the goal was helping others. And mm-hmm. so that to me is successful. My ability to to help others, you know, and it's not even about helping folks have tangible things or resources. It's about helping folks facilitate the dreams that they have for their lives. And if in fact they can dream and manifest those dreams, then that in in and of itself helps those who have yet to be born. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's it's that pursuing the thing that you've been called to do and that's easily identifiable because it usually chooses you mm. and you stay in that pursuit. Um, not think about, you know, um, success and in, 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 as you're defining it, as you work, right? If you're truly working on behalf of people, especially, you're not thinking about being successful. Mm. You're thinking about those people being successful. Yeah. So that's really important as well for me. And and also um I've been able to do certain things that led me to other things. And so, you know, I'm now working in economic development because I did workforce development really well. Yeah. That led me into this new vein of of work and calling. But you know, one of the things I want to say as you're talking about this. I love that you say I did it really well, because what you're saying about your gifts is there might be some things that I'm naturally gifted to do. And even with those things being a gift, I still must prepare 
for that next phase. I still must work really hard. In fact, this is something I've been talking with my church folks about, you know, this, this idea of faith without works is dead, right? You know, and I, and I talk about those people who had a dream, for instance, of wanting to be the greatest of all time in whatever area, those people who had that dream, they had a gift, but then they had to work really hard at it. And I think that what I hear you saying is that, look, first of all, it's the service. But even with that service, I'm going to put in my time and do the work that I need to do using my gifts so that when that opportunity to have economic development come up, you may not even know that it's the next thing, but you've already done the work. The other thing that I hear when you're talking, sometimes what's frightening for people is to think that they're going to be out there alone in the process. And I don't think that there is ever a time that we're truly alone because when we are ready, when we make that commitment to show up, God, the universe, source, whatever you want to call it, is ready to build up on the gifts that have already been instilled in you. And one of the things that we often talk about is having a ram in the bush. There's going to be someone there who can help you get to that next phase. So when I think about things like uh, affirmative action and giving us access and opportunity, I think about the people, though, who didn't have access and opportunity and still did something great and wonderful because they found a way to go around it. When you know what's been instilled in you already, what God has already implanted in you, no one else can tell you no. So I think that too often, based on what you and I have been talking about this hour, is that people began to see the reality of what the world mm. says that they should be yeah. and not who they know they should be. That's beautiful. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think the most important thing for me, Dr. Terrellin, has been, and this is a fact for my life, that I've done well in life because I've chose to commit my life to helping people. Mm, mm. Bottom line. That's yes. it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it. So, so for me, I call that our sacred intelligence, right? Being able to go inward, to tap inside, to make choices that intelligent choices mm-hmm. that's going to manifest our greatness mm-hmm. while helping other people to manifest their greatness. It's a both and, right? And 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 oftentimes in business, we talk about doing what you love and you never work a day in your life. It is the commitment. That we have. Now, that doesn't mean we don't work hard. So I don't know when people say you never work a day in your life. I think you and I work extremely, extremely hard, but we're also um, blessed by what we do. And I don't mean in a financial way. People underestimate also the internal blessings you receive. Right. So so I know with the work that you do. It is uh, certainly not about affirmative action with the work that you're doing, but it is about giving access to people. And so you have found ways. And that's one of the things I want to say to our guests. It's not about affirmative action. It's about creating ways to open doors to people who don't often have access. So in our final few minutes, I want to just uh, ask you, is there anything else that you'd like to say that we've not covered today? Yeah, I, I think it's important to note that I, I don't do this work by myself. I have an incredible team of people who are just highly executing and who, um, you know, I, I've been very fortunate, um, Doc, that, you know, I, I knew to hire people to do things that I don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. It's not even that I don't want to do them. I don't know how to do them. And so I have just a very skilled, highly executing, smart dedicated group of people who do this work with me. Mm. That's really, really important to know. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that uh, because it is always important to give credit where credit is due. Right. And what you're, what you're saying to us is that again, you know, kind of speaking to what I was saying is that first of all, one person can't do it all. Right. And we're all are interconnected. If we go back to that and just, Secondly, inviting people to do what they can, right? So we need someone to do, what is it Dr. King said? If you're going to be a sweet street sweeper, 
be the best one you, wow. that you can. There's something for each of us to do. There were people, and my listeners have heard me say this before, during the civil rights movement, they may not have been out there marching, but they made sandwiches for folks. So the idea is for us to, is to use our skills that we have. I want to thank you today for being on the show, for us to be able to talk about uh, opportunity and to talk about um, access and really ways in which uh, we didn't talk so much about how affirmative action hurts us, but we know that that it absolutely hurts people having access and opportunity. But regardless of whether uh whether folks get into the Ivy League schools or those schools who will be hit the hardest, know that what we do matters and that there are ways of getting around those systems and still being the best that you can be. So I want to just say to our listeners, if you have an opportunity, make sure that you take advantage of it because you have to know who you are and whose you are so that you can move throughout the world shining your light. Mr. Clemens, I want to thank you so much for being with me today, for taking time out uh, of your schedule. I know that you're a busy, busy man. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you to my listeners. And I want to invite you to go to sacredintelligence.com. If you've not already picked up a copy of my book, Dismantling Racism, I want to invite you to do that, as well as download my meditations. The Conscious Consultant Hour is next with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that manifest the good in you and those around you. Know that we are all one and exist because of one another. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Passionate about the conversation around racism? 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 